Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. My name's Father Tim Smith. And you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're broadcasting this morning from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and more specifically from the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House, which is one of our local homeless shelters here in Sioux Falls. Yeah, it's a great place. It's uh, really the name of the legacy is uh, Bishop Paul Dudley, um, the, his history of his care for those who are in most need but that lives on in the hearts and minds of those people who serve our community and most especially in a good servant uh, mr chad campbell who's joining us today here uh right on site chad thanks for welcoming us this morning good morning father good morning heather good morning thanks for letting us come in and hang out in this office here oh my pleasure (laughs) we just kind of moved in that's okay we might stay for a while take as much space as you need (laughs) Well, it's good. Well, I, was, uh, I wasn't I was sure if you were going to have to redirect us because I see there's some renovations and things that are happening around here. Oh, there's morning. a lot of trucks and stuff out there. Yeah, it's a really exciting time, Father and Heather. It's, it's a great time. We've been open going on uh, over four years now. And as you know, we're open 365 days a year, basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So when we first designed the facility, we took a lot of look at a lot of different facilities around the upper Midwest and try to put the best design in place that we possibly could. But we didn't necessarily realize the wear and tear that was going to happen on the facility being open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So we're going through right now and we're, we're what I'm calling industrializing the facility a little bit and making it uh, so we don't have to necessarily do some of the repairs and painting and things like that. So we have a lot of great things going on right now. And uh, we're working with a lot of the uh, individuals in our community who supported us in the past, who have stepped up to the plate again to help us out and, and really beautify the facility because everything that we do, we want to do in dignity to the guests that we serve as well as the volunteers and the donors and the benefactors. Absolutely. Well, and you know, some of the wear and tear that you're talking about are on things that we don't even think about. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are you having to replace frequently? Sure. What we're looking at right now is we're doing our project, and it's going to be about $250,000 renovation project here at the facility, and we'll hopefully have it completed by August 1st. And we're kind of focusing on about six segments. And the six segments are, number one, uh, our ventilation system needs to have some severe overhaul because, you know, when we have individuals who are sleeping in our overnight rooms. Uh, we have space for 20 women and 80 men. Uh, the system we have right now, it, it heats and cools it properly, but we don't necessarily have the ventilation, which okay. creates humidity and can create some different things. So it's really caused some havoc on our sleeping areas as well as our lavatories. Uh, so we're also going to work on uh, doing some repair uh, work in our lavatories, putting in some um, shutoff valves and uh, industrializing some of the sinks and the counters and uh, the flooring. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, flooring upgrades here. Uh, right now, we currently have a vinyl floor. And, you know, with people who come in, they have things that they carry. A lot mm-hmm. of the folks we have don't have automobiles. And uh, so the things that they carry, they have in a suitcase. And that gets uh, drug across the floor and creates scratches in the floors. And uh, so we're going to be ripping up the floors and putting down a nice uh, industrial epoxy. Uh, so that'll have a long-term longevity. We're going to put some uh, core guard, uh, basically some hard plastic on the walls. That's a nice mm. plastic but then it will prevent scrapes and scratches and things like that that just happen from normal wear and tear so we don't have to paint all the time. Um, And then we're going to do some upgrading in our family suites where um, we have two queen-size beds in each suite, but they're just 
beds like we'd have at home. Yeah. And, you know, we served 53 families last year. Wow. So that's a lot of people who are coming in and using those those beds. So we're going to be industrializing those beds, but still making them comfortable, but not movable in the room. Okay. So they're going to be affixed to the floor. Uh, we're going to put in some new uh, windows that are going to have some frost on them. So we don't have to worry about any type of blinds or shades and things like that. And plus, we're going to make them a little thicker. So they're uh, not as damage proof from the outside. Okay. Um, so a we have a lot on. of things going on right now, and it's about a two-month total project. Okay. But it'll be a very nice thing for the guests to, to experience once it's all done. Well, and I and I think a lot of folks have uh, the spring appeal sitting on their front ca- in their kitchen counters, like I do. Correct. And so you have the spring appeal. Does that have anything to do with the renovations, or is that a separate? It's fundraiser? all intertwined. It's all intertwined. Everything that we do is is just to have for the betterment of the guests. So, you know, the Spring Appeal is sitting on, you know, our great donors' uh, desks and uh, counters and things like that. So if they have the opportunity to to give to us and and can help us with our ministry, we'd greatly appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So we can make sure that we have the operational dollars to operate, but yet alone, you know, make sure that we do these projects and and have the facility looking as nice as we can for the guests. Well, and that's one thing I always love about the Bishop Dudley House is that you walk in and it's not what you think. Correct. Correct. It is a beautiful space. It feels like home. And I think you've spent a lot of your time as the executive director making sure that it feels that way. Correct. And with these renovations, you want to continue that. Correct. The big thing is we want just everyone, when they walk through that door, is to not necessarily feel like they're coming into a homeless shelter environment because they're in a crisis mode. They're usually at the lowest point in their lives. And the last thing that we want to do is create an environment where they feel like I've hit rock bottom. So when they come into the facility and they see that it's uh, beautiful and it's airy and it's welcoming and, you know, our staff greets them when they come in, I think that really says a lot for what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. And then having the completely uh, separate places, both for the families and the women and then the men, it really creates a a good space for everybody to use and to everybody feel safe because safety is probably one of our biggest concerns that we have. Right. Absolutely. So when you're... um talking about some of the guests that stay here the bishop dudley house runs a little bit differently than a lot of homeless shelters right and we're not going to get too far into it but just real briefly can you touch on um you said you had visited other different uh facilities Mm -hmm. when we were getting this up and going what were some of the things that you wanted to incorporate into the Bishop Dudley House? One of the biggest things is the time duration that we allow people to stay. And most of the shelters that we visited, they usually just have a 30-day cycle where they can come in for 30 days, kind of get their bearings or have a place to stay for 30 days, and then they need to move on. Mm-hmm. So our goal is we actually work with a lot of different people in the community to have them identify what are their areas of opportunity and their problems so then they can stabilize and then try to fix what they're working on. The thing I learned a long time goes I can't fix it for them our staff can't fix it for them they have to take what we offer and fix their lives themselves because number one it's about buy-in but number two it's there's this feeling of gratification when they do fix the problems that they have Um, so it's incorporating them with the different services that we have so we allow them to stay up to 120 days and then we also during our winter months which in Sioux Falls, as you know, can be from a lot of different time periods. Yeah. Uh, but usually for us, the emergency shelter runs from November 1 to about April 1, so five or six months. And, you know, any guest in the community who's experiencing homelessness, regardless of duration, you know, can come and stay at the facility, you know, during those winter months, just so we don't have anybody freeze to death outside. Absolutely. But the biggest thing we try to do is uh, have them take a sense of ownership of trying to repair and rebuild their lives. 
So right now, as we're broadcasting um, Real Presence Live, we're broadcasting over five-state region. Um, what are some things that people can do listening to the problem of homelessness? What are some p- things that people can do in their own communities to help out? Well, the biggest thing that I always try to tell people is, in my background, I was a police officer in the past. Uh, the biggest thing is, if you encounter individuals who are experiencing homelessness, is to, number one, uh, encourage them to, to seek the services that are available in their community. And sometimes there's not services mm-hmm. that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So then I encourage them to try to connect them with any local churches, parishes, etc. You know, but the biggest thing is that in your communities, we have a lot of people who come to the Bishop Dudley Hospitalis from the five-state region because Sioux Falls is the biggest city in the area. So people get sent here to try to repair their lives and to heal. So what I always tell people is just focus on your community and what you can do there. And if that's helping people with... Um, financial needs, help them with that, help them with blankets, help them with um, clothing, uh, shoes, t-shirts, water, food, etc. There's so many different things that they can do. It's just, you know, whatever they're called to do, um, you know, through their faith, that's what I encourage them to do. Well, and one thing that I, I realized, you know, coming down to the banquet or to the Bishop Dudley House is it doesn't always have a, a certain look. Correct. Somebody can be homeless and you might not even know it. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing here is you'll see somebody who looks just like you and I, dressed like you and I, but they've experienced <coughs> homelessness for a year and a half. Yes. It's just there's no specific look of somebody who's experiencing homelessness. Well, thank you, Chad, for joining us this morning. You're welcome. It's thank been my pleasure. Thank you for letting us crash. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. You're listening to the best of Real Presence Live. Up next, it's our Straight Talk call-in segment with Father Tim Smith. Please, no calls today. We'll return to taking your straight talk calls during tomorrow's program. Well, that was Chad Campbell. We're broadcasting this morning from the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And Father, that means you're on. All right. (laughs) This next segment is our straight talk segment. And that means it is your opportunity to call in with any questions you might have on the faith or any current events. We will try to answer them for you. I say we very lightly. I mean, Father Tim will try to answer them for you. (laughs) Our number is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122 if you have any questions. Or you can submit them on Facebook. And we promise you don't have to submit your name if you don't want to. You could make it up. We wouldn't know. Well, that's all right. If it's on your Facebook profile, we know who you are. That way so we there know. we go. But it's a, it's glad to be here again. Give us a call, 877-795-0122. And we have a question that's been submitted to us online. The question is, could you please explain how the church defines the work for gaining a plenary indulgence and why? And, for example, uh, there are certain activities in the life of the church that a member can do to, uh, there's a a plenary indulgence that's attached. And so that could be visit a shrine. um, And there's also what's attached to this idea of a plenary indulgence is to pray for the Pope, uh, to have a sacramental confession, and be free of an attachment to sins, any venial sins or any uh, permanent sins. Um, and so yesterday, this brings back a question from yesterday's show. I, I was listening to Real Presence Live, and one of our guest priests talked about during the year of mercy, um, mm-hmm. he could get a, uh, or the year of St. Paul, I think he said, he could get a plenary indulgence by going to the, the cathedral St. Paul in Min- Minneapolis or St. Paul, Minnesota. Hmm. And 
and uh, he said, I tried to go almost every day if I could, you know, to pray and, and stay in that state of grace. And uh, the first thing is, is getting a good definition of what is a plenary That was my next question. How did you know that? Well, you know, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's always great to get down to causes and conditions mm-hmm. and always to look. And one of the best dictionaries that's available in the life of the church today is written by a great catechist. His name was Father John Hardin. He, there's even a catechetical center dedicated to him in La Crosse, Wisconsin, at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And Father Hardin has a great compendium of dictionary terms of many popular things that Catholics want to know. And the great thing is, this is now available online. You can just use Google, and it can bring up this great dictionary and help you have a good definition for these terms. So this morning, we're talking about the question of a plenary indulgence. And so an indulgence that can remove all the temporal punishment due to forgiven sin, sin that God has forgiven, but still every time there is something. So Chad knows this as when he was a police officer. We just had Chad Campbell on air. He knows that, okay, someone has committed a crime of theft. As Our police officers and law enforcement are responsible for this all the time. Now, they can still be forgiven. They can be repentant, and they can, they can serve their time. But part of that serving that time or maybe making restitution is covering for the actual theft that had taken place. And so we think about in the order of of salvation and the order of grace that even though we sin against God and Jesus is full of love and mercy and and he brings satisfaction for our sins and all that comes through his sanctification that he brings us through the power of the cross, he brings us justification there, but we still recognize that there still is a matter that we have transgressed against God. And so in a certain sense, a plenary indulgence brings about this great fact that uh, that we can recognize that there is a restitution. So Catholics, we uphold. There's a teaching on purgatory. I'm sure this is going to spark a number of questions that are in mm-hmm. the minds of our listeners. But one thing that an indulgence can do is really, it's we only God knows for sure that if a plenary indulgence is actually gained because God knows whether a person's disposition, their intention, their heart, that if they have had sufficient repentance, that they really say, I do not want to be a thief anymore. I am done. And I'm sure we all know people that have had powerful conversions and they've had that transformation in their life. So as a Catholic faith understands it, this isn't just some rudimentary act and you automatically are a changed person. If you are still... There aren't bells that go off when it's complete. If you're still... <laughs> if In your heart and in your intention, if you still want to continue to do habitually sinful actions, mm-hmm. you know... God knows that. God is God. He's he's the author of all salvation. He's the author of us and our creation. He knows the hearts and minds of men. But ultimately, when we look at a work that's performed, a prayer or a visit to a shrine, ultimately, this goes back to a human act, that everything we do as human beings is a moral is a moral action. And so we have an intellect, a mind that thinks, we have willpower that makes helps make us execute our actions and our thoughts and how we execute what we do, and we also have an end that we're working towards. And so a plenary indulgence or a work that's related to a plenary indulgence is another human action, and ultimately it's something that the person, the the person who is doing the work is doing this for the intention of holiness, for the intention of living the life of God, for the intention of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so that is the main end that the person is doing to glorify God through 
works of prayer, as well as that intention of their own sanctification that they say, I want to be holy. I was reading about St. Norbert today, and I learned about how he once led a worldly life, and then he became a great saint. I want the same thing to happen in my life. And so they may put themselves in the works of prayer, works of mercy, and that way they can gain, you know, this plenary indulgence, which is really for the sanctification of the person that's performing the work. And so one thing you can make sure, how do you know that you're performing that work authentically with a pure heart? Well, sacramental confession where you might go in there and just say, Father, this is everything, and I've got hardness in my heart, there's all these things that are in my life, but I repent and I turn away from that. And then I go to Holy Mass, and I receive Jesus in Holy Communion, and then I'll say a prayer for the Holy Father and ask that, you know, he would continue to lead all people throughout the world to the goodness and the love and mercy of Jesus. Very good. Well, that, if you have more questions on plenary say it plenary indulgences <laughs> now so the question would be if someone would say well how, what if i'm not totally you know in that state of perfection or i'm not totally in that free of not perfection but being detached from sin well then that becomes a partial indulgence so mm-hmm. the work of prayer whether it's you know you can gain a plenary indulgence there is there is a there's a there's a text you can find in the church that has a listing of all the beautiful prayers right. and it can be stations of the cross during any one of the, the, the Fridays in Lent there's so many of course Divine Mercy Sunday is, is an opportunity where people can mm-hmm. have an indulgence but even works of mercy you know Pope Francis a couple of years ago when he, he gave out this clarion call to the church throughout the world to perform works of mercy so even the mission right here at the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House and like giving an uh, basically giving alms to the poor. You know, mm-hmm. there's times where I've recognized that I need God's mercy. When I was a seminarian, I'm living with a hundred other guys. You know what? I didn't always get along with hundred other seminarians. Friendly father, Tim. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Same thing is true for sisters in convents or religious communities. Same thing is true for families. Yeah, Brothers absolutely. and sisters don't get along. And one day I kind of had a glimpse. It was during Lent of my own just you know, lack of love. And I was so fed up with it. I went right downtown Minneapolis. I went to the missionaries of charity. I knocked on their door. I reached into my wallet. I grabbed all the money out of my wallet and I just tossed it to sister. And I said, take it for, for this is for my sins, for Mm -hmm. whatever in me is not of God. I want to be detached from it. And you know, works of mercy. And perhaps you might be moved to do something like that. Well, well, Find out your your local outreach to the poor and those in most need. It could be mm-hmm. the Bishop Dudley House. It could be you know one of the other places anywhere in our listen area and give generously. Yeah, that's one way. With our actions, we can actually turn away from sin and experience God's love and mercy by sharing with other people who need that help. Yeah. And uh, that's my recommendation for anyone who's fed up. And just like <laughs> give it up to the Lord. Give it up to the Lord. Well, thank you for that question from one of our listeners. This is the best of Real Presence Live. Right now, we're in our Straight Talk call-in segment, but please don't call in during today's program. We'll take your calls again tomorrow during Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10. Uh, we're going to move on to the phone. We had somebody that called in with a question, and they actually, uh, the line dropped. So if you want to call back, we would be happy to take your call. The number is 877 7950122 Again, 877 877- 
7950122 or you can submit any questions on Facebook. So we're going to go to the phone lines and we've got Chad from Gillette with a question. Chad, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good morning, Father. Good morning. I have a question for you about the First Friday devotions. Beautiful devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yes. Now, in that, is it necessary to fulfill the, uh, the requirements to receive uh, communion at Mass, or if Mass is not available, just to receive communion, and then to have to do all the other uh, requirements? Well, that's a great question, Chad, and especially thinking about our contemporary time. I'm going to give you a response, but I, I'm i just going to tell you this is my instinct, and so I know I have other priests that are listening, and, and there might be someone. So here's I'm going to tell you what, Chad, this may not be 100%, so we can look back and get you a clearer answer on this. But what the most important thing is that we assist at Mass. So every Catholic is asked, so let's step back and look at what is the obligation for any uh, Catholic who wants to participate. Not necessarily the reception of Holy Communion. We just need to attend and assist at Mass with our prayers. And so if a Catholic, and this is a little back from your question, Chad, but that same principle would apply, that reception of Holy Communion is not necessary, but that we assist at Mass with our prayers hmm. um, for the Sunday obligation. Not that you have to receive Communion, because let's say you messed up that week and you didn't get a chance to get to confession, and you know you're not in a state of grace to receive Holy Communion, but hey, you still go to Sunday Mass. Maybe it's been a really bad week, and you could still you know, get in a good relationship with the Lord, but you're still assisting at Mass with your prayers. So the reception of Holy Communion is is not required, but what is required is assisting at Mass with our prayers. That's binding upon all And something all people don't think about. Well, they don't, and that's where we get in this problem with all <laughs> these other questions regarding Communion and who can have it and who can't. So that principle right there, Chad, thinking about that, we recommend okay, assisting at Mass with my prayers, not the reception of the Eucharist, but the assisting at Mass with my prayers. The other thing is, what if I'm prevented on First Friday from any number of things? And of course, I know this, Chad, because I have the most holy people in my parish sometimes can't get out of the house for months at a time because of a medical con- condition. But what do they do is they assist at Mass with their prayers through the means of EWTN. Right here on Real Presence Radio, you can listen while maybe you're an over-the-road truck driver. You can assist at Mass with your prayers and listen to the, mm. the broadcast of the Mass right here in the evenings on EWTN or the early hour mornings of the day. And because of the intention and the action is there for you and you may be limited by your circumstances, the very fact that you are intentionally entering in to the Eucharistic sacrifice that may be through technological means because you're, you're prevented from being immediately present, but the fact that you're intending to assist on First Fridays, that is sufficient in my estimation, that you are partaking in the First Friday devotions. And I will tell you, Chad, I do have homebound parishioners, and in order, they do ask me, and they receive you know, a confession you know, in anticipation of fulfilling uh, yeah. the First Friday devotion. And so we, I kind of have it on a schedule. I go and visit them at home because they are really serious Catholics, mm-hmm. and, and they, but they're not able to get to church anymore because of their health but they are really living in that life of grace. So does that make sense, Chad? That makes sense. Now, the time for confession, is that still eight days, or is it ten days, or is it that does that 
Ferry. You know what? Just off the cuff here, it's 10 days to my estimation, but I, I would check with your parish priest on that, Chad, just to make sure. I might be giving you wrong information and our listeners, and I always want to say the right thing. Well, I sure appreciate that. God bless you, and thank you for being devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Well, you're very welcome, and thank you for your ministry, Father. Thank you for being priest. God bless you. Okay, well, if you want to join in the conversation, you can change the subject. We allow that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our number, and you don't have to, 877-795-0122. Again, the number is 877-795-0122, or you can submit any questions you might have on Facebook. We're in the middle of our Straight Talk segment. Gives our listeners in the local areas time to call in with your questions. No question is too difficult or too simple. If we don't know, we'll just say... We don't know. We'll let you know later. <laughs> you know, I, I just really enjoy people who are seeking holiness, you yeah. know, like Chad, who called in. There's so many people in our in our life of faith. And I see this through the people that volunteer their time at places like the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House. One of my friends, uh, first name is Tony. That's all I got to say. I know Chad knows him. Because why? Because he's devoted. He has a time when he says, one thing I do, Father, he's. I know him through another ministry he does in the life of the church, but he knows that he's, he's a regimented guy, and he sets his time where he comes down here to participate in the works of mercy. And you know what? He might, There might not be a lot to do on the day that he comes, but he always finds himself useful to the ministry here mm-hmm. um, in the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House. That's so great because we have an opportunity to share God's love and mercy with so many people. And he seeks holiness not just through his prayer, but also through his actions. And so spiritual as well as corporal. Well, and I think the thing that uh, I have found out personally when uh, volunteering at different places is that you know, you go expecting to help those in need and helping others. And in the end, you're really gaining a lot yourself. And you always walk away, or I have always walked away from these experiences of being fulfilled myself. You know, it's really not about the other people. And, you know, I've always struggled with that because it's like, well, I'm going because I get something out of it. So therefore, am I really doing a work of charity? You know, you know, that whole debate. But we have another question. Father, are you ready for this one? Sure. So the (laughs) question from the listener is, could you please explain Pope Francis's recent change in the wording of the Our Father? Now, this question was asked yesterday on Real Presence Live. And I would venture to guess it's going to be asked next week and perhaps the week afterwards. And so that being said, that's all right. And I know our listeners, they're like, well, I don't hear every day, Father. So it's not, there's no bad question, you know, (laughs) but this, there is a a question on that. And I'll just echo what what the uh, priest that was doing Real Presence Live call in yesterday said. Um, We really just recognize that I believe in understanding and I'm not well versed on this. It's in Mm -hmm. a different Episcopal conference. You know, we're here in the United States in Mm -hmm. the USCCB Episcopal conference. We have our great bishops here in the upper Midwest and they're participating in that. And so it's my understanding that this translation change, uh, many of us remember you know, back in 2010, we had a new translation of the Mass, and and with your spirit. Yeah. And we were like, how am I ever going to get used to that? And now people yeah. don't even think about it anymore. Right. Uh, now, now, that's a different level, but just keep in mind, our Episcopal Conference gave us that new translation of mm-hmm. the Mass and the liturgy and the prayers that we've been using now for almost the last 10 years. 
Now, it's my understanding that in the Episcopal Conference in Italy, um, as well as maybe some other European countries, they have a different translation. And, of course, that's pertaining to the Our Father prayer. Right. And so that's been promulgated. Um, and the Holy Father, Pope Francis, who is the Bishop of Rome, is part of that translation process. I'm not sure the full implications, um, so I'm not able to comment on that. But I can say that we'll, we'll see, you know, how, how is, what is the fruitfulness of this translation. That's what Father said yesterday morning, and I will just echo his response on that as well. And uh, in terms of the minutia of the wording, there's a lot of great uh, liturgical scholars and scripture scholars that are in the life of the church. And so maybe you want to, you know, that's a question we might want to get Dr. Shree or uh, mm-hmm. maybe one of our other uh, called to communion. Um, mm-hmm. If you call in this afternoon or even Catholic Ath- Answers Lives, one of our apologists, Jimmy Aiken, or any of the people that you can tune in here on Real Presence Radio. And so I'd actually encourage you to stay tuned to Call to Communion. Stay tuned to Catholic Answers Live here in the afternoons on Real Presence Radio, and you're going to get more feedback and a little more context. Mm-hmm. As some of these stories come out more in the news and some more of this information about liturgy and translation, you can stay well-informed as a Catholic. But right now, this is kind of emerging news, and so I don't have an answer for you. Well, and I think my question for you um, on this topic, when we go to Mass this Sunday, are we going to notice any difference? No, you will not, because within here in the United States, our Episcopal Conference, that would be way, way out. You would have fair warning. So you won't see any change in your Catholic parish here anywhere in the United States. Absolutely. You'll have plenty of warning, folks, we promise. Thanks, Heather, for bringing it right down to brass tacks. I always need to be I'm always that way, you know. You can count on me for that. I always got to be reminded what my German parishioners are going to say. How did you know I was part German? Well, I'm part German as well, and I I like it regimented and the same. (laughs) This is the best of Real Presence Live. Right now, we're in our Straight Talk call-in segment, but please don't call in during today's program. We'll take your calls again tomorrow during Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10. Well, if you have any questions for Father, we're in our Straight Talk segment. It's a segment we do on Real Presence Live from 9.30 to 10, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. You can call in with any question you might have on faith or current events. The number is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. Or you can submit any questions you might have on Facebook. Speaking of good Germans, how about yeah. St. Norbert, the bishop who we celebrate today yes. in the liturgy, uh, 11th century, 12th century uh, bishop in the church. Norberg. That's a name you don't hear very often. Norbert. Norbert. But, Norbert. you know, there's probably a different uh, German enunciation of it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's but, what uh, I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were. And the great thing about St. Norbert, what I like about him, he was ordained a priest at 35. I was ordained a priest at 36. So oh. he's one for late bloomers. We still have a chance of becoming a saint, you know. <laughs> uh, but the other thing about St. Norbert is it says in his account of his life uh, that in the martyrology that he had led a worldly life. He had... Um, grown up with money and possessions and you know like a lot of people those temptations to live for the things of the world Mm -hmm. um wealth and affluence and maybe a little power and influence that goes with that um you know is an unsatisfying life and he had a conversion experience and that led him into the priesthood and not only it didn't stop there it actually led him to a life of conversion and there was a time for a reformation needed for the clergy people were again getting caught up in the things of like money 
money and mm-hmm. prestige. And so what he did is he took the religious habit and he went about reforming and, and living a monastic life and living in community with other priests. And what they what did they do? They basically had chapter talks where they got together <laughs> and they called each other out. Like, are we oh. living Jesus's teachings here? And they devoted themselves to caring for the poor caring for those who are most in need and most especially to divine worship celebrating the mass and and the things of god with great reverence and also their own sanctification and holiness and so his young life as a priest he died no not much later into his 40s or, or 50s but he really dedicated himself he became an archbishop but it was his witness of holiness and kind of a renunciation of wealth and power and the ways of the world and in service to the poor and most especially to god through celebration of the liturgy and mass that's what made him a saint and so we remember him today at mass if you go to daily mass or tune in here on real presence radio and you listen um, you'll hear about saint norbert later on today as, as the whole church lifts him up in prayer and his example of holiness and he became a great saint yeah well and father tim you used, you had a quote-unquote normal job before you became a priest yeah i was a and- tax collector man <laughs> Well, and I think that we get so wrapped up, like you said, in the whole money part of life. And, and a lot of people are constantly chasing that dollar, and they're not happy. Well, I'll tell you how the Lord really brought about that change in my life. And uh, it's, you know, I, it really, the, the, I see Christ's presence in those who are in most need. And like, uh, we're here at the Bishop Dudley House, that we can see Christ in the poor. The, the rule of St. Benedict would was always so we think about the old monastic order is that treat every visitor to the monastery as if it's christ and so even seeing the poor beggar and in the lives of the saints i i believe there's many accounts of where uh, a beggar or someone who is homeless or, or didn't have any possessions and saintly people have seen jesus present in that person to not far from here at the St. Francis house. One of the co-missions that are here to serve the poor and homeless is a statue of a man sleeping on a bench. And if you look closely at the statue underneath the blanket, it's Christ mm-hmm. who's the man sleeping on the bench. I was there when that statue was blessed. And in my own experience, I worked for a big multinational corporation. I don't know if you remember what happened in 2007 and 2008, mm-hmm. but we had a worldwide financial crisis. And yeah. I watched, I had stock, I had big options, I was working with a portfolio of several million dollars in, in, in business. It wasn't my money, but I was responsible for keeping track of it and, and managing it. And I was living for things of this world. And then I watched my stock price tumble from you know $60 a share down to below $1 in a matter of just a few weeks. And I recognized, am I living for that? Um, am I saving up treasure, which moths will eat and it will wear away? Or am I building up treasure in heaven, as Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew? And it was during that time that I had a conversion experience, not just because of God was taking away wealth and things from my life. But the other thing is that I recognize the emptiness. Mm-hmm. The most desolate moment in my life was when I had my biggest bonus check ever. Because I was, wasn't living as a Christian. I wasn't treating people with gospel values. I was selfish. I was self-centered. I was mean. I fought for that big pile of money at the end of the month. And I hurt other people's feelings. Well, I felt awful. I repented for my sinfulness because I wasn't living in accordance with Christian charity. 
a year later after that most desolate experience and a year after all the money kind of dwindled away and I was really forced to look at the basic facts of life, I realized that God was calling me into a different relationship with him. And so I ended up volunteering at the St. Francis House with uh, Julie Becker, one of the other directors, who's like Chad Campbell here in Sioux Falls, responsible for operations at that, at that care facility. And that's where I started really recognizing how Christ is alive. And so whether it's here at the Bishop Dudley House or in your city, wherever you're listening to us at in the upper Midwest, you can participate in Christ's saving mission. And it was working with church members and volunteers that came together to provide meals to those who are in most need. It was gathering together and leading the meal prayer with a room full of people that I recognized Jesus was calling me to be a priest. And here I was at the very same building, a former convent that had been turned into a shelter, started by Bishop Dudley himself, and I was working in the food pantry with one of the volunteers from Notre Dame for the summer, a woman named Claire, and I finally said for the first time, God is calling me to be a priest. Hmm. I think God is calling me to be a priest. And it was the works of mercy. It was the works of grace. And all members of the church can participate in this, whether it's here at the Bishop Dudley House or any care facility. Beautiful. Well, we're, we only have one minute left for callers. You can get in still for this Straight Talk segment if you would like. The number is 877 795 Well, and Father, for those that, um, you know, people know your voice through our five-state listening area. For those that don't know your face necessarily, I think for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, we would all say that you're the cheerful priest with who always has a smile on his face. So looking back at that big bonus check, yeah, which is better? Uh- <laughs> I can uh, be happy to tell all our listeners, and this is recorded in the cloud for everyone around the world to hear if they want to. You know, I was crying myself to sleep those, you know, that's 10 years ago when I was pulling down those big bonus checks, 10, 11, 12 years ago when I was doing that. I was restless, irritable, discontented. I had no direction, and I didn't have hope for heaven. And now the reason I have joy is because it comes from the Lord. It comes from God. It comes from the transformation. And any cheerfulness on my part, it comes from God. It's a, it's a pure gift. And all gifts of faith are, are gratuitous gifts of God's grace that he pours out upon all our listeners, especially those in most need. Mm. And so it's take all the money in the world, you can have it. Because you know the kingdom of heaven is worth more than these. And that is truth. And uh, I know so many of our listeners who have experienced that same thing in their life. You know, it's okay. You know, so many great benefactors, people who do have their wealth, they put it at service of the church. And I know that many Mm -hmm. of our mission partners for Real Catholic Radio, many of our mission partners for our outreaches, Mm -hmm. Bishop Dudley House, they they use that their wealth, but it's at the service of God and the church. And so having these things is not a bad thing, but how you live as a disciple of Christ that is what really changes people. And it's an opportunity for all of us just to give thanks for all those who really help us live as disciples, whether they're supporting missions, whether they're supporting people who are in most need. There's so many great opportunities. And that's how we live discipleship. And we see this in the Acts of the Apostles when members of the church gathered together, shared things in common, and made decisions for the sake of those to live out the gospel. 